Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 158 of the show. We're getting up there. My name's Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Another solid week. The uh, weather's fantastic. Can't really complain there. We're in the thick of it in the Premier League. Yep. Unfortunately, we only have like two, three games left. And then, well, not unfortunately, but... Oh, it's great. We get the World Cup going, so soon we're going to have to morph into that. And that should be very exciting. It's once every four years, so it's going to be the first time for us on here that we're ever doing it. So um, I'm really excited about that. But um, for last week, our records... Not not as uh not as good as what I'm talking about with everything else. Um, Evan and I both went four and six, mm. and, and uh, Zach struggled really bad. He went two and eight. That's so tough. That puts Evan at fifty two and sixty four. That puts me fifty seven and fifty nine, and that puts Zach at fifty six and sixty. So everybody's um, negative. And I mean, once you're there, it's very very hard to recover because it's. There's maybe two to three weeks where you go maybe like eight and two or something like that. It's very rare. Yeah, you need um, them. You need them to be in a row so that you can start to get a little bit defensive with your picks towards the end. Because like all of us have been taking flyers and some of them have hit, but a majority of them haven't. Yeah, and it's tough. A lot of these teams that we thought were going to be flying have been struggling a bit. I Liverpool and um, I mean you saw Brentford there for a little bit doing well. Brighton and now they're in a bit of a crumbling form, Wolves. So um, it's going to be a long year. Um, then there were a lot of teams that really shook the league table up. Um, a lot of teams at the top of the table this week slipped up, and uh, it, ma- it made room for other teams below them to kind of close that gap. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess let's jump into this. I do want to say quickly, strangely enough, I've been scorching hot on other sports, like not the NFL or the Prem, which are the shows that we have on this network. But in the Champions League, I swept the board yesterday. Wow. I had like a 25 to win like 400. Cash that. Uh, NBA, I'm hitting parlays every night. I mean, I like on props, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I just cannot seem to get things right here uh, in the Prem. I mean, Arsenal, Arsenal really fucked me last weekend. I had a yeah. couple that that I really liked. Fulham over Leeds was was a fantastic uh, match, and I I really did feel that Fulham would win the game. But Arsenal conceding late, they they fucked me so bad. Um, but let's yeah, ju- I, let's jump into these. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say on the same thing with betting. I went. I was. I won money this weekend on the Prem. Uh, yeah. There was like this score assist combo. Uh, Pereira to assist Mitrovic, that one hit, and then oh, I had sure. uh, and Madison to get a goal or an assist, and he he managed to get one in that four nil pumping yeah. of Wolves. So there, I went positive on that side. Good. Um, okay, let's jump into the first disappointing performance of the week: Nottingham Forest one, Liverpool nil. Two consecutive, I believe, two consecutive league losses for Liverpool, or did they? No, they beat City. Uh, draw and a defeat. Uh, draw and a defeat. Okay, so yeah, not not in uh, great shape here, but they were unable to defeat Nottingham Forest. They had a Taiwo Oani goal in the 55th. Funnily enough, Taiwo actually was a Liverpool player for a very long time. He was sent out on permanent loans because he wasn't able to secure work permits. And then this season, finally, uh, you know, as soon as he was able to play in England and, and live there and be there, uh, Liverpool got rid of him, and he was the one to score in this game. So it's funny how that works. Uh, 10 shots on target for Forrest, 15 for Liverpool, 7 shots on target for both teams, and 24% possession for Forrest. So obviously the lion's share of the possession went to Liverpool. You know, it's interesting that Nottingham Forest are able to secure this many chances on goal with the possession they hold because they pretty much play from not even necessarily behind, but they're just always behind the eight ball in terms of possession. They don't carry much of the ball. They don't perform all that well when they do have the ball. I think, you know, one of the standouts as we look through the past five, six weeks has been Ryan Yates in the midfield. Uh, He's been fantastic. He's really was the controller in this game. I think he played really well. It was, it was fantastic for, for Taiwo to get a goal here, but um, uh, another thing is Dean Henderson. 
he he's been really really good. Uh, Liverpool had a couple of chances. There was a Van Dyke uh, header that, to be honest with you, I I thought was gonna gonna go in, uh, but Henderson was able to stop it. The guy wears a baseball cap. He's he's just he's inevitable. He's been fantastic for Forest so far, even though they're not having a great season. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at this Liverpool lineup, I, it wasn't the most exciting. Uh, we saw Robertson finally back. Uh, again, his first start in a while, but you have a lot of young guys in the midfield there, and Jones, Carvalho, Elliott, um, Fabinho, the only main starter there. So I feel like in a bit they lost that battle, um, as well as Joe Gomez. His mistake led to the only goal, um, just too, just being too too slow on the ball, and yeah. he, he got caught up and gave a foul away, picked up a card, and then on that ensuing set piece, uh, the play worked out to where it was a a rebound there for Awani, as you mentioned. So um, it was a big moment for Forrest. They definitely had a bit of a boost playing at home. Those fans were absolutely insane. Um, they've been they've been craving the Premier League for a long time, obviously 20-plus years. And I think, to be realistic, there's always going to be a handful of these matches in the year, maybe not just to Liverpool, but you're, we saw Chelsea against Southampton and Leeds. and. Um, we haven't seen United slip up to any any like well at the beginning of the year with Brighton and then Spurs now they're on two defeats in a row like all these teams slip up a bit at certain times and it's really hard to catch but it does happen so and that's the great thing about the Premier League anybody can beat anybody on any given day if the circumstances are right and this was just one of those days where Forrest got lucky and you mentioned the the reply that Liverpool gave them with the three chances from Van Dyke and Salah, and yeah, it, it, this played out similarly to how Forrest won against um, West Ham earlier in the year. They beat him one nil. Uh, Rice had a penalty saved. There was another goal line clearance. Like it's just it it, it just happens sometimes, and it, good for Forrest that these three points will go a long way. And now they're they're they are in last, but they're tied with Wolves and Leeds on nine. They just need to work on that goal differential, which I don't know if, if that's going to be changed. Yeah, we'll have to see how all that pans out. All right, let's jump to the next. Another disappointing performance from one of my more beloved teams, Crystal Palace. Uh, this one caught me off guard. Yes, Sorry. it did. It, no, it absolutely did. It, it totally did. I have no idea what happened here for, for Palace. They just they didn't threaten enough. Um, but Everton with a 3-0 victory uh, at Goodison Park. They do play well in front of their fans, we should say. DCL with a goal in the 11th. Anthony Gordon added one in the 63rd. And then Dwight McNeil kept it all off in the 84th. Nine shots for both teams. Six shots on target for the Toffees. Just two for the Eagles. 45% of the possession for Everton. I think Palace were... I know it's tough to say um, when a team loses 3-0, but I don't think Palace were all that bad uh, offensively. They were just really, really slow and and not on... um, the offensive scheme for Everton, so I think I think it does come down to that. Um, but yeah, th- this Everton team is, I don't know, not as bad as as maybe I would have thought at the beginning of the season. They're in twelfth on thirteen points. Uh, this is a really tough loss for Palace because they slipped down uh, a little bit. They're in thirteenth now. They could have at least got a point from this and stayed up towards Brentford and West Ham. Um, but yeah, they gave all three to, to Everton, who I think played really well. It's it's interesting to see how this team is playing under Frank because it does seem to me that they're starting to find a little bit of an identity. Um, Tarkowski and Cody at the back have really shored things up. I, I wasn't necessarily sold on them at the beginning of the season, especially because I worry about Cody's age, but they do look better. They look pretty solid at the back, and if you can get a win like this against a scrappy Palace team... Uh, I think it's a good sign for for what's in the future for them. Yeah, I mean, Everton were on three-game losing streak, and they really needed this bad. Um, you already mentioned their their away record is poor. I think they've lost 21 of their last 23 on the road, which is the worst in the league by far. Um, we saw DCL have a moment of class, a um, little one-touch around Guayhi, and dropped him there and put it away clinically, so... Uh, it was just one of those days where it worked out for the lads. Um, I think Palace having Ducore, their new holding mid, suspended for this game was a massive loss. You saw the difference that from him to Mil- Milhojevic in there yeah. it just wasn't good enough. Um, 
And it was just one of those bad days for Zaha as well. Coleman did just enough to keep him off off the score sheet. And uh, I would say Everton's high press really uh, constrained Palace's play. A lot of the time, Anderson plays a lot of nice through balls and switches from the back. And um, DCL and Iwobi did a good job to to keep his head down and just keep playing the ball short. So I think the game plan overall was good from Frank. It, It goes a long way. Um, it's hard in this this area of the table to string results, and with the time frame of this particular season, there's ownerships that are going to be less patient with managers if they can't get things right. We've already seen four four sackings, so yeah. um, I'm sure we're going to see a handful more before the end of the year, and hopefully Frank can just keep things going along for them. So um, overall, good day for them, and I think Palace will bounce back for this for sure. All right. Let's jump into City 3, Brighton 1, an unfortunate result for the Seagulls under the management of Roberto De Serbi. Three goals to one. Erling Holland with two of those, one in the 22nd, one in the 43rd. Trussard got one back at the beginning of the second half in the 53rd, and then KDB took space at the end and curled a lovely effort in in the 75th. This was back to City, death by a thousand cuts. Um, they pass the ball just so precisely and effectively. And I I watched them in the UCL um, two days ago, and it was the same thing. They just weren't able to get anything to go in. Um, man, nobody seems to be able to neutralize Holland in uh, the Prem, but he was neutralized the other night. Uh, against Dortmund so I, I don't know if it, it comes down to defensive scheming or what but they played five at the back here Brighton and I thought they would have had an easier time sort of controlling him but he absolutely fucking clobbered Webster multiple times just he runs with so much purpose and determination I, I don't know how you stop him he is truly the Norwegian Terminator um, and the rest of the team just rallies behind him Rodri controlling the middle of the pitch Bernardo Silva putting in a shift Grealish got the start here. He didn't look fantastic, but again, just doing enough to get the job done. Um, and yeah, I mean, that back line, they, they weren't challenged all that much. Uh, I do worry a little bit about Cancelo getting involved in the middle of the park. He does often leave uh, Laporte and Diaz, who are not pacey defenders, back there to defend for themselves. Same thing with Akanji on the right. Uh, not the quickest, not the slowest, but certainly not... Uh, up to that, you know, Kyle Walker level level of pace that they're used to back there. Overall, I think this is just the sort of game that City are always going to win. They they really did put a number on that Brighton defense, even though they had them stacked back there with pacey guys on the wings, and uh, a, a great win for City. Expected, but still a really really good performance. Yeah, and you saw what Ederson can offer in his passing mm-hmm. range. He got the assist on the the first Holland goal. Yeah, um, where, as you mentioned, he bullied Webster there, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, you, you try you try certain things, and they may work at first, but then Man City just changes things up, and then you get exposed. So it seems like you have to have at least two to three game plans to alternate from in this game. Um, when things, things aren't going right for City, they'll adjust. And I think Brighton did a good enough job to get the goal. It kind of came out of nowhere a bit from Chossard there um, at at Ederson's near post. I think he did get a hand on it, but uh, just too too strong of a shot from Chossard and a bit of a consolation there. But still, it shows that um, you need to take these moments and really test Ederson because he can be caught out sleeping a bit. And um, yeah, I think Walker's a big loss for them, as you mentioned. He's a natural right back. Um, unlike Cancelo and Akanji, who are more central, whether it's a center back in Akanji or the way they use Cancelo as a central mid kind of option. Um, it's just that's the, that's the beauty of Man City. They have a lot of versatility in their squad. So, um, yeah, going forward, this was big for Man City. Obviously, as I mentioned at the start, every other team around that area of the table drop points um, besides Newcastle. So, they're just edging that much closer to to jumping Arsenal. Yep, true. Uh, I worry about that, but I know that it's pretty much inevitable. Okay, let's move on. We had Chelsea 1, Manchester United 1. A lot to take from this game. Um, very slow, a little bit of a stalemate until like the last 10 minutes of the game. Jorginho got a penalty in the 87th. Uh, I knew that that was coming. I knew that he'd be able to convert that goal once it was called. 
Then we had a Casemiro goal in the 94th. He was in stoppage time, a great header, scrappy. Um, this is a really good result, I think, for United. I do feel that Chelsea, you know, this is this is going to sound strange, but um, I think Chelsea were lucky to get away with a point, but the fact that they scored so late and weren't able to lock it down probably lends itself to them you know, feeling a little bit hard done by in not getting three points. Um, but I do think overall, when you look at the fixture and you consider the past, what is it, 40 meetings, it's mostly draws. It's like 27 draws and the rest, you know, went to a team. So 27 and 13, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not not really enough from, from up front from Chelsea. We Mount has been better. Havertz has been better. He wasn't in. Um, I think he was on the bench in this one, or is he? Yeah, he was on the bench. He didn't. We didn't even see yeah. him at all. Um, Sterling trying to figure out how he can contribute still. Aubameyang not not up to the the standard that you know we probably would ask of him. Uh, he he wasn't he wasn't great in this game. He was good when he came in for two or three games, but he's been pretty quiet since then. Um, the defense, I don't think was terrible I think they shored things up enough Tiago Silva every time I watch him I'm just reminded of how impressive it is that he's playing at this level still at his age it is very impressive um but on the United side I I think Ten Hag is sort of finally starting to get them to play his way Casemiro I know he got the lone goal and that's that's going to be the you know the talking point but he is really sharp in the middle of the pitch he can control so that the rest of them don't have to to track back they're not playing the pivot right Erickson's able to stay a little bit further up the pitch Fernandez is able to distribute a little bit higher he plays even further up than Erickson and then you have Rashford up there as the lone striker but Sancho and Anthony both okay in this game I still don't think Sancho is worth what they paid for him but Anthony's been a great signing um the rest of the park uh, Luke Shaw, I mean, I think he looks great. He's looked much better in the past two weeks under the direction of Ten Hag. And I think Casemiro being part of the team, come, you know, some of that comes down to it because he's just been so good. And he he's such a big presence. He's like a big square uh, in the middle of the park. He's such a gigantic human being. Uh, and he's been really good. So unfortunately, we lost Varane in this game. Don't think we're going to see him at the World Cup. He was really torn up uh, after going down. But overall, I think a really good result for United. And I guess it's it's a fine result for Chelsea as well. Yeah, at the end, I think the 1-1 was fair. Um, not in the fashion that it ended. But um, yeah. to be fair, United were, looked more dangerous going forward. It seemed like they had more free flow up front. I think maybe we need to start giving more minutes to Broya up top. He's more willing to play more of a vert, more vertical rather than a Bamiang's horizontal kind of side to side bit. Um, he has a lot more energy. When you see these young guys come off the bench, you see the hunger and the drive they have on the ball. Um, Pulisic being one of the main guys, he's very um, positive with his play. He likes going forward, pushing the team up. Whereas a lot of the times people on the team play more passive and just. Uh, rotate the ball back and forth and at times it gets a bit stale and the team really loses a bit of sharpness in the play so um, definitely think maybe Loftus Cheek I don't know we need something different in there Um, I was happy with the Champions League performance um, yesterday or two days ago sorry from the team good match there Um, it was a a hard-fought battle against Salzburg where we had two great goals from Havertz and Kovacic but um, we need more and more moments like that where they're just taking chances on quickly rather than waiting for the perfect perfect opportunity. So, um, yeah, I think things are a bit stale going forward still. Obviously, that's not nothing. That's not uh, anything new. I think United here, they, they still are showing they can battle with the big teams and they shouldn't be forgotten about, which they aren't. I think they're they're finding their form and they're finding their their main 12 to 13 guys that'll start every game. So, um, yeah, I think the loss of Iran is going to be massive. It's a big downgrade from him to Lindelof uh, or McGuire. So it'll be interesting to see how much that affects the team going forward. But I think their attack, they should be pretty happy with. And um, I think I did see Ronaldo back training with the first team. So I think yeah. he's... He's realizing uh, his mistakes, and he's just getting back to the work. Um, he, I don't think the, the last thing he wants to do is tarnish his legacy 
um, as a footballer. And I think us importantly at United, one of his, his biggest, his favorite clubs. So um, we'll see how that turns out. But January is coming and he's trying to get out still. So. Yeah. Um, what I will say is I, I think he's, he's done a pretty good job of ruining his legacy already. Um, when you look at what Messi is doing right now, and I know people like to compare the two. I don't even think it's a comparison. I, I think Messi is, is substantially clearer of Ronaldo. I always have thought that. But um, when you look at what he's doing, I mean, the way that he is actually finally gelling in with that PSG team, and, you know, it, it shouldn't be an accomplishment. They have three of the best players in the past decade uh, leading their front line. But you look at that versus what, you know, Ronaldo is doing it's it's easy for people to just sort of switch their side and say yeah I mean look look at what Messi's able to do he's been humble although he really hasn't because he had the whole thing with Barca um and then look at Ronaldo it it is tough it's a tough look for Cristiano Ronaldo he's a proud man he's a fantastic footballer he's been good pretty much everywhere he's gone um but he yeah it's not been good for him at United he hasn't fit in and it's been it's been really ugly so yeah. I don't know. Uh, I am curious to see if he gets a move because I, I saw Napoli were a team that would were looking at him. Um, or, I know Todd Bowley wants him bad. Uh, Chelsea? Yeah, him personally. Are you guys are just going to get all the egomaniacs and let them leave the front line? I think he sees him more as the marketing thing, similar to oh, how I'm sure he does. That guy's did a, before him. Yeah, yeah. He, you can just see the stock and the ticket sales go absolutely through the roof, but... I think another reason Ronaldo wants to get out is to get back into that Champions League because we're seeing Messi score more and more in the league, and he's slowly catching Ronaldo's record. I think Ronaldo's at 140, and now Messi's at around 130. So um, if PSG make a deep run um, in the league, it'll be interesting to see if Messi surpasses him or not. But we all know PSG and Man City are, are cursed in the Champions League, so they could be out in the round of, round of 16. Yeah, they suck in the Champions League when it comes down to the, you know, when it's not group stage games anymore. Okay, uh, let's move on. Wolves nil, Leicester City 4. Yuri Tielemans with a banger in the 8th. Harvey Barnes a goal in the 19th. James Madison in the 65th. Jamie Vardy in the 79th. All your usual suspects here for Leicester City. Wolves not able to get a goal despite registering it. Six shots on target on 21 total shots. 61% of the possession for Wolves. Uh, only four shots on target for Leicester, all four going in, and five shots total. Uh, man, Wolves suck. It was another case of absolutely zero offensive power. Can't figure it out. Adama, Podence, Nunez, and Costa up top. None of them did hardly anything in this one. Uh, you cannot go into excuse me, games and expect that your somewhat solid defensive situation is going to straight up win you games. You are not going to get three points in these games if this is how you perform. Vardy came on. He was great. Tielemans plays so well in that role. James Madison's been great this season. They got goals from pretty much everybody across their front line with the exclusion of Dewsbury Hall. Uh, Leicester, I still don't think, are a good team. And for them to come out here and literally fucking batter Wolves... Uh, is a huge victory. Leicester are now in 17th on 11 points, and Wolves fall to uh, 19th on 9 points. If they don't figure it out offensively, and I know I say this every week, they are going to go down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's not far-fetched to say. And Normally, the Christmas time, if you're where you are in that, that area of the table, you're not 9 times out. out of 10, you're going down. We've seen rare, rare, rare occasions where teams have... In the past, most recent one being Newcastle last year, but that was after a buyout, so I don't think anybody's buying Wolves anytime soon, I've heard. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough, their attack. They have that Mateus Nunes who they brought in from the Portuguese League. He's a very raw talent, but it doesn't seem like he can get things going. It's similar to how when they brought in Fabio Silva a few years ago from Porto, and we've seen now they sold him on or loan, whatever. But, um, obviously, Costa has has experience in the past but he's just taken time away from the sport too long at this level to where he can get back up to speed in time to be a major impact um i enjoy the the use of triori there he adds a bit of pace and something that not a lot of teams have that that physique and that pace and the build in general so 
Um, they they really need to rely on that midfield of Neves and Moutinho to really set things up properly for them. And uh, their back line, very young. Um, they lack leadership. We see Nathan Collins come in from, from Burnley. Uh, he's only 21, and they got relegated last year, and you could give some of that criticism towards him for certain games that they lost and dropped points, and that's why they went down. And now he's back in a similar situation there. And Kilman, I think, relied more on um cody's influence last year as the captain still it's curious why they loaned him out um to everton for the year um if it's like this cody's definitely going to sign permanent with everton but yeah yeah that back line looks nothing like it did last year so i don't even think they can rely on that anymore to get them out of jail so in poor uh, credit to lester though they're really rallying back seven points in their last uh, seven out of nine points in our last three games, really dragging them out of the out of the basement. They're doing it without a few key players. They're getting goals from everybody. I thought I saw one of the most disrespectful celebrations from this game when Vardy scored the fourth. Uh, he did like the stinky celebration. He was yeah. like waving his hand across his nose to the fans, saying like this is a fucking ass. They are ass. Um, it's unbelievable. That guy has no chill. Um, and yeah, Tillymon's with probably goal of the month easily and potentially goal of the season there. Such absolutely, a he is absolutely so unreal. He did it. He did it at Wolves with with uh, Ruben Neves on the field. I yeah, don't know how he felt about that. Another screamer merchant. I'm sure he he felt he felt sick to his stomach. Yeah, and um, I think that's three straight clean sheets now for Leicester. And we were just ripping on Danny Ward a couple weeks ago, and now they three three straight clean sheets for the lad. Yeah, um, but it'll change this week against Man City. Yeah, that's what happens, though, right? We we shit on players, and then as soon as we catch it, they're they're on form. That just always happens. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's jump to another team who just did not perform the way I thought they would this week: Brentford. Aston Villa for Brentford nil. Leon Bailey got the. <clears throat> what is Villas? They're the villains, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. He got them off to the uh, the start early in the second. Danny Ings added one in the seventh, one in the fourteenth, and then Ollie Watkins added one in the fifty ninth. Nineteen shots for Villa, eleven of those on target. Fantastic uh, shot on target there for them. <clears throat> Three shots on target for the bees. Twelve shots total. Fifty five percent of the possession went to Brentford, but. Villa were able to do much, much more uh, with their time on the ball. Aston Villa currently in 15th on 12 points. We see Brentford uh, now in 11th on 14. This is a great win for Villa. Um, no Stevie G here. We had AJ Danks. He is the uh, he's the interim manager for Villa. Funny name there. Uh, and a great performance from Danny Ings. He looked great. Maybe uh, maybe he hated Stevie G. I don't know. I don't know what's up. But they got performances. Out of all three uh, of their front players, I mean, Buendia still looks like shit. To be honest with you, I think he's a much better player uh, than what his statistics would would sort of uh, lead you on to think. But Brentford were really bad here. The defensively, they were extremely poor. Jorgensen, Pinnock, and Iyer, who've been pretty good uh, throughout the year, just weren't up to the task here. Raya getting beat. He's been good too. Um, and Villa were just, they were really, really, uh, sharp offensively. This is not what I was expecting. They were on top from start to finish. Uh, the three early goals with Bailey and Ings were fantastic. And then, um, for Watkins to just sort of put the fork in and and make sure that there was going to be no late heroics, uh, was great. This is just, I don't know. Maybe it was Stevie J. Maybe it was. I, I know that we weren't, I wasn't really a fan of him. I don't know how you feel about him. Uh, but I think his tenure there was extremely disappointing. I don't think he was ready for the job. Uh, and it's good when Villa are good, you know. It's it's good when they're in the middle of the pack and sort of um, trying to work their way up towards Europa League spots. They never do it, but they're a great bogey team to have in the te- in the in the league. So I was happy to see them get the win here. Yeah, I think that the the view on Gerard and a lot of these former. Premier League players that have been taken over in the league get a bit of bias in the media over there and uh, favoring them and things can be overshadowed a bit. And this performance kind of showed that now just uh, what maybe one little simple change can do for them. They Den Donker got his first start um, after leaving Wolves. He gets his first start with Villa there alongside Douglas Louise to get a bit of stability in front of those two center backs. Um, they put Buendia in a 10 role 
um, not on the wing. So in a central position where he can have more effect on the game, which was nice to see. Bailey and and Watkins on the wings. They have that pace, and they're both positive going forward with the ball. And then you have Ings in that central role where he should be playing. He should he plays well. You've seen more often as a solo striker at times, and he he's capable of scoring bangers. We know this guy is capable of scoring ten to fifteen goals in the in the league. Um, he can go on big droughts, obviously, but give him his time, give him a run of form, a run of games, and he will provide for you. And we saw that here. Um, it was most surprising how fast they got this lead 3-0 in the fifth, in 15 minutes. Um, putting the game to bed right away just helps the fans get get that bit of stress out. And um, just they, they've needed this game really bad um, since the start of the year. So overall, great performance from them. Shocked by Brentford. How bad they showed up here is unbelievable. Um, I thought they'd get a little bit more, but maybe their colors are showering, showing a bit more now. Teams have found them out a little more potentially, but they're still they're still playing decent enough to be out of that danger zone. So if they can manage to get results every now and then, like they did last year, they'll be fine. But I mean, when Villa is playing the way they have and they're getting four on you, I think there's a bit of questions that need to be asked. And we saw this earlier in the year when they, um they got pumped by Newcastle 5-1 a couple weeks ago. So it's it's not good signs when you're getting more than three goals on you a game multiple times in a year. That's really should raise the alarm or ring the alarm. But hopefully they can bring it back. And they, they got a reasonable matchup against Wolves this week where they can really have a um, bounce back week. Yep. All right, let's jump into Arsenal 1, Southampton 1. Ugh, Ooh. this is our, just our bogey team, man. If you remember last year, it's the reason we didn't place top four. Um, I probably should have known better here. Um, 12 shots on target for Arsenal. Three, or 12 shots, 3 shots on target, 60% possession. Uh, 3 shots on target for Southampton with 10 shots total. Southampton really didn't threaten us all that much. Uh, the first half was extremely quiet for them. They weren't able to get anything going. Arebo and Armstrong up top. Adam Armstrong, that is. Stuart Armstrong was on the left. Uh, we saw the return of El Yunusi here. We had Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka playing a really high line up top, pretty much all just right across. So, uh, Jesus was playing more of like a center-forward role, which he's kind of been doing. Uh, Xhaka, Thomas, and Odegaard across the middle. Instead of the pivot, we are playing with three across the center and then a four at the back with Tomiyasu, Gabriel Saliba, and Ben White. Um, not good. Just not really the performance that I was expecting from Arsenal. I thought they'd be a little bit uh, more electric up top. There was a couple chances at the beginning that I thought we we could have done better with. Saka not up to that goal scoring pace uh, that he he sort of had. He he wasn't able to convert in this one. But Xhaka was good. That was a great finish. He's been really really solid for us this season. I I can't um, slander him at all. I think he's been awesome. Uh, but to concede this late in the 65th was just not good. Uh, this was Arsenal's first Premier League draw since January, believe it or not. That was a nil-nil versus Burnley. So this was an end of a run of 27 league games without one. Ugh, just ugly. We've let Southampton now go three Premier League games without defeat. They have two draws and a win. Uh, this was the first time since February where they had a run of five no losses. I, I was upset uh, after this one. Arsenal got to get the win here. This is an easy match when you consider the team's form um you know they're on 28 now and first Southampton are all the way down in 16th on 12 points to let them get a point here uh is tough especially because City are really knocking at the door now yeah I mean you you just said it you can't slip up in these games especially when Man City are climbing and climbing this is the time of the year we're coming into where they that's when they start ripping teams apart Luckily, they have a World Cup in between, so that hopefully breaks up their chemistry a bit. But still, like this is a game you have to win. It's against a manageable team. We saw a bit of human side, the human side of Jesus. He had multiple chances here where he could have put the game away, and it just didn't didn't go his way. Odegaard played decent. Saka, Martinelli, you got these guys just lacking in that quality in the end. They they relied relied on Jaka to get the goal here, which was a quality goal from him. That's four on the season in his new advanced role, which he's taken greatly. Um, and it, just like the Leeds game, that second half came, Southampton made their adjustments, and they just really sent sent it, and they got that goal. 
in the 65th, and that's when things just really changed overall. So um, definitely saw the worst flop of the season so far from Walcott in the 89th minute. Um, was rightfully booked for that was it. That tough, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've, tr- I've been trying to find a video of it, but I can't. Um, it was just that bad. But yeah, I think yeah, Southampton... Yeah, definitely. I think Southampton here. These are the these are the games that keep them in the league. Uh, I, we talk about Forest win against Liverpool. Like those are the type of games that that get you the res- that get you the point to, or not just get you the point, but get you give you the confidence to keep going forward and get string a couple of results together, and that will keep you in the league. And that's Southampton's goal right now: just get to that forty point mark of safety, and, and we'll we'll move on to the next summer window and hopefully bring in the next quality or the next crop of players to develop. So, um, they should be happy. Mikel, I think. Still, they're off to an amazing start of the year. I don't think anybody saw them have this, the start they did. They're having, I should say, now. But yeah, with two points, only two points ahead of Man City, and now you have a another match like this. Now you go up against a Forest team that should have a lot of confidence in themselves after beating Liverpool. Um, it should be interesting to see. I think it's fortunate though; it's at the Emirates, so they won't have as many of their fans there. Okay, let's move on to another thriller. Leeds 2, Fulham 3. Rodrigo Moreno struck first for Leeds. Alexander Mitrovic fired back in the 26th. Then Bobby Reed scored in the 74th. Willian scored in the 84th. It was 3-1 heading into stoppage time. Crescencio Somerville was able to convert. He scored in the 91st, but it was far too late for Leeds. Leeds are in the gutter. They're in 18th uh, on 9 points. Fulham now... Uh, in seventh on 18 points. I don't think anybody was expecting them to be this good, yeah. but man, they have been. William, uh, career fraud, uh, got a goal <laughs> in this one. I, I don't know how. That guy's collected more fucking checks than anybody I know. It is crazy that he's back in the Prem after going back to Brazil. Uh, he's played for two Premier League teams. He's been all over the place. He's I wouldn't say he played. I wouldn't say he played for Arsenal. That was a sham. No, but 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 he collected an unbelievable amount of wages. Yeah, exactly. He he got so much money from Arsenal. I think he scored like two goals in his tenure. One of them was like a fucking banger free kick, and the rest of the time that he spent on the pitch for Arsenal was substitution time, and it was it was terrible. Um, but he got a really well need, well needed goal, uh, for Fulham in this one. It, oh, sorry about that. Uh, it pretty much put the dagger in, uh, for Leeds. They weren't able to to come back after that goal in the 84th. And it was tough, man. This was a really tough game for Leeds. I think Marsh is going to feel super hard done by, but they just are not defending well. They're letting a Fulham team who I, I will say are extremely dynamic offensively. They are very good. Um, they let them score three goals, and it was just too late. If they hadn't let William score in the 84th, they probably could have gotten a draw out of this, but they weren't able to to get it done in crunch time, and now they're going to suffer for it probably for the rest of the season because this is a game where you really could have got three points and needed to get three points, uh, especially after striking first. This is tough, man. Teams cannot defend against Fulham, and I know Leeds have serious defensive issues, but they, they have to be better than this after after striking first. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just looking at an article now that just came out after Marsh's press conference before the game um, against Liverpool coming up. He's frustrated on the results. He's he thinks that they should be getting result getting points out of these games that he feels like they're better than the opposition. That they're dropping opportunities left and right, and he's just pissed off right now. And he said he's never he said quote I've never lost this much in my career, and I'm sick of it. End quote. I mean the guy. It, he he took a job that is probably one of the hardest jobs in the world. Um, not saying Leeds as a club, but just a job in the Premier League overall is one of the most crude, criticized positions in the world for a coach. So he, he kind of knew what he was signing up for, and his team's going through a bit of injury problems. And when I saw the, the, the 11 that he put out, and there was no Tyler Adams, he put Greenwood in there, I knew this game was over. I mean, he adds so much so much safety in front of that back line and he's such a, a hard worker um seeing him play for the national team and growing up him at the red bulls i mean you could see how hard of a worker he is and you, when you lose that much of a workhorse it's going to show in their play 
And I mean, the first goal against they gave up to Mitrovic was unforgivable on a set piece at the near post, and you're letting it be the the one guy that is scoring almost fifty percent of their goals. It's just poor. Um, you already mentioned William's goal. That was a bit of a cutback, good moment from Pereira on the build up, and and we got Bobby Reed getting goal too. So two two crosses there they gave up, and then a cutback. It's just a lack of focus. Um, and I just, they really need that number nine to wake up. And it's, I don't think they're getting it out of Bamford. I no. think his time's gone. Um, they just need to go all in on Rodrigo, but that's another person that's dealing with a bit of injuries too. So yeah. um, I don't know. They just, they just need more guys to step up. Um, they can't just have one guy getting all these goals. They need other guys to step up and get in there. I.e. Harrison, Aronson. Um, Sinistera needs to grow up really quick. He can't be getting stupid red cards like he did earlier in the year um, for for very poor reasons. And uh, it's it's really tough. It's hard. It's you're asking for a lot out of them. They're in a position now where one or two results, one or two more results don't go their way, and they could be looking for a different manager, which is tough to say because I feel like still Marsh hasn't been given enough time. So um, Fulham side credit to them. They've They've just found the secret formula that works for them. They're currently in that conference league position. If the league ended, they'd be in the conference league next year. But it's, I mean, every week it's like the New York Giants in football. It's like, you know, they won't finish there at the end of the year, but they show week in and week out that they're in every game and they're capable of winning uh, every match. So it's it's one of those things where you're kind of trying to call it at the moment, but right now it's it's it seems like nothing can go wrong for them. Yeah, Mitrovic is cut from the same cloth as Saquon Barkley. I think maybe mm-hmm. that that's going to be the the title of this one. Uh, okay, Tottenham one, Newcastle two. Good lord, another stinker from Tottenham. Callum Wilson scored in the thirty first. Miguel Almiron scored in the fortieth. Kane was able to get one back uh, on a header in the fifty fourth, but. Boy, Tottenham were not up to the task here. Kane and Son up top. Lloris in the goal. That was the story. He fucking sucks. That drunk Frenchman needs to get off the field, off the team. He's got to go somewhere else. Send him back to wherever he came from. Let him go to Marseille. I don't know. Send him send him away because he's just been so poor. Um, Mar- I, I've, I've been a Lloris hater for some time. If you go back and, and check the receipts... Uh, Lloris is, is due for a howler every once and again. He is, he is not, uh, a clutch keeper. He wasn't clutch here. I don't think Langlet is necessarily the answer back there. Eric Dyer, another guy that I have historically hated on, has been probably their best defender this year, which is really saying something. Um, and Tottenham just not up to the task here. We saw Wilson get a goal. We saw Almiron get a goal. Miguel Almiron has been really, really good this year. He's been fantastic. And this front line with Jolinton, who sort of, um, he gets like subbed out for Murphy and and guys like that. Chris Wood, we saw him a little bit in this game. Uh, their front line is good. They get enough goals from the front line and they have enough, um, controllers in the center of the park to sort of shore things up and make sure that when they're ahead, uh, they don't concede too many goals and, and go behind or uh, go level. I, this is a good team, this Newcastle team. They're they're right where I thought they would be. Um, I think I had them w- finishing where? Like six, right? Who's that? Tottenham? Newcastle? Uh, Newcastle, yeah. You had them... Um... I think off the top of my head, six. I can yeah. verify so, that. So, I mean, they're in fourth right now. You you have to figure they're going to lose a couple of the big games to uh, against yeah, yeah, the big teams. But I I don't I think six looks pretty decent at this point in the season. They are a very solid team, and I think they're only going to continue to improve. Um, it looks like they have a really good hold on what they're trying to achieve, what they're trying to figure out. Um, and I was, I was extremely impressed. Eddie Howe with, with a great team that he's put together. Uh, they're going to continue to make moves. Botman and Shaw are, are really solid back there and Tottenham just not getting enough from their, their front too. You know, it's, it's been really tough. They don't get hardly any goals from the, the center of the park either. They got to be better than this. I think Hoiberg in that center gets most of their scoring opportunities. He kind of has turned into more of like how Xhaka is more advanced um, and can definitely play box to box. It seems like when they play with these three center mids, 
they never get the result. But when they have the three up top, they 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 score a lot more. That's what I see. Um, so they've really missed for Charleston now that he's been out, and Kulusevski is slowly recovering. Um, we saw Lucas more make an appearance. Um, didn't have enough time to have a full impact on the game, but they, they it seems like they need those three guys up top to really open things up more for Kane and Son. Um, having that extra guy up there to occupy a defender can open things up for the other two. And when it's just them two, they can definitely have opportunities to score. We saw Kane on the back post again with another goal, but still, I feel like they just need that extra guy forward to for the style they play to work for them better. Um, Basuma, Bensacor, and Skip, as you mentioned, they're not very threatening when you think of goal scorers. They're all more defensive-minded guys, in my opinion, but... Yeah, I mean, Newcastle, they've, they've found their way. They, they've been playing the same formation every game, no matter who, if it's a top four team in Tottenham or it's a, or if it's a relegation team in uh, Leicester. I mean, like, the, the, like it doesn't matter who it is. They're playing the same way regardless, and it's worked for them. So um, we saw Shelby get minutes in this game finally after being oh, out for yeah. a while. Um, the Lord, um, still Chris Wood getting minutes because St. Max isn't back, as well as Isak. Um, I think we're going to finish out this section of the of the league without them, so they won't be back until Christmas, which is unfortunate. But still, I mean, they they have only lost one game out of twelve, and um, it was a bit of a sham loss in the against Liverpool there in the ninety seventh minute. So um, you honestly could say they're undefeated, um, not technically, but still, it's 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 nice to see Newcastle bounce back here. They've really found things going for them, and. It seems like they haven't really, really had a massive test. Um, obviously, this one was I picked them to win it. Um, you weren't sure. You weren't. You definitely didn't think Newcastle could win, but you definitely had a feeling Tottenham could drop points here. So uh, we were both on similar mindsets. And yeah, I think maybe maybe you throw Fraser Forrester a start in the league this week. Yeah, I mean he's he's sick. Uh, he's he's an Arsenal. Uh, defeater. He always plays out of his skull against Arsenal. I like Forster. I think he's a good player. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll start to see him. They they could get a decent fee for Larice too. Like I don't know what his contract situation is like, but if they wanted to get rid of him, they they definitely could. And I don't. Can, what's that? I was just gonna say they can definitely get somebody to take that. Yeah, no, they they for sure could. I don't know what it what it looks like in terms of what his wages are, but I know they could get rid of him and and sort of stick with Forrester. I I really do think Forrester's a good keeper. He just probably needs a little bit of time to gel in there. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't. I have a feeling that Lloris won't be dropped, but uh, I think that is probably something they should look into doing. Okay, let's move on to the last game of the week. West Ham 2, Bournemouth 0. Kurt Zuma, the cat abuser, getting a goal in the 45th. Saeed Benrama adding a penalty and stoppage time at the end in the 92nd. 20 shots for West Ham, 4 shots on target. 3 shots on target for Bournemouth with 5 shots total. 55% of the possession going to West Ham. They were the better team in this one, no doubt about it. Really nice to get a goal from your center back in this one. They needed it. Their front line not really up to the task. Um... Jared Bowen, who had a couple of good weeks in a row, hasn't really been up to it this season. I think maybe we'll see him start, sort of catch fire towards the end. But uh, if if Skamaka and Bowen aren't going to get you the goals, you need to to outsource them a bit, whether it be Rice and, and Suchek. Not really Suchek. He doesn't score all that much. But Declan Rice has the ability to convert. Um, or Ben Rama or guys like Cresswell. You're going to have to to sort of call on them for those. And I do think this West Ham team is deep. They have four Niles and Antonio who come off the bench. Lanzini can still do a job, although we don't see it that much. Uh, we saw Sufal come in here. These are all players that I think are up to prem quality and are really solid. So to get a 2-0 victory against Bournemouth, who are a bad team, we should say, uh, is great. Uh, Solanke and Billing are guys that can get you goals and have in recent weeks sort of played spoiler for a lot of the other bigger teams that have a little bit of pedigree. Uh, I think it's good to get a 2-0 victory here. Good to keep the clean sheet and and get the momentum up. West Ham are currently uh, in 10th, and we have Bournemouth down in 14th on on 13 points. Yeah, it was a reality check for Bournemouth. They've been flying high for so long, and now they've picked up back-to-back defeats. Um, to two decent teams there, to to the West Ham, and then 
previously to Southampton there and a bit of a stinker for them, but still um, reality setting in a bit. Fitness is getting on them with the fixture congestion in the league. And most importantly, they, they lost Solanke here to a bit of an injury. I'm uh, not sure how long he's going to be out for, but um, it, it doesn't seem like it's that serious. But still, losing him is a massive part of their team, similar to how Mitrovic is for Fulham. Um, Billing does do a good job up there, but he kind of needs that partner in Solanke to get things going. Their outside wings can't uh, create opportunities alone in Travenier and Christie. Um, and they don't really have too much off the bench. They did also have a, an injury there, Neto in goal, so Travers comes Travers comes back in for them, who I think did a decent job at the start of the year. But, yeah, overall, good performance from West Ham. Moyes has been racking up the points. Um, they've climbed out of that relegation zone to now being where a lot of people think they'll be top 10 finishers. So, overall, great performance from, from the Hammers, and uh, we'll see if they can keep things going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. Um, okay, let's move on to our picks for the week. We have Leicester City taking on Manchester City on Saturday at 7.30. It's the early game. I'm going to take Man City in this one. Yeah, uh, I have Zach's pick as, picks as well. Where we both take Man City too. Um, it's, hard, it's easy to pick them, obviously. I think Holland... Came off the first 45 minutes in that Champions League game yesterday, so he might have picked up a little bit of an injury. I'm not sure. It's not showing anything, but still, um, he might not play the full game here, but who knows? He, he only needs like 10 minutes to get a, a get a brace nowadays. Yeah. Um, okay, the next one. Newcastle versus Aston Villa. Newcastle in good form. Villa coming off a 4-0 victory. Uh, last week against Brentford. I'm going to take Newcastle on this one. I still think they're a better team. Yeah, Zach's agreeing with you as well with Newcastle. Um, I think if Villa play in that same formation they did against uh, Brentford last week, I think they'll be super competitive. But it's everything's going against Villa here when it comes to these match facts. Um, Newcastle are undefeated in their last four team home matches against Villa as well as they're undefeated in their last seven home matches, where Villa have failed to win their last seven away matches. So um, originally I was taking a draw here, but after reading that, I think I'm going to go with you guys and go with Newcastle as well. Okay, Bournemouth versus Tottenham up next. Man, I'm seeing the board way too clearly this week. I'm going to take Tottenham in this one. I think they're able to beat uh, Bournemouth. are coming off a really disappointing result yesterday against Porto. Uh, or uh, not been not Porto, not Benfica, Lisbon, Jesus, yeah. listed three fucking Portuguese teams, um, coming off a really unlucky result there with Kane getting ruled offside on a play that he, that was bad, um, that was really bad, worst VAR call I've ever seen, um, and then off the the terrible defeat against Newcastle last week, so I'm gonna take Tottenham in this one. I think they bounce back here. They're a much better team than Bournemouth are. Uh, and Bournemouth looked really sort of constipated up top last week. So I think despite whatever sort of uh, nonsense Lloris will get up to, that Tottenham can win the game. Yeah, Tottenham are undefeated in 11 of their last 12 matches against Bournemouth in all comps. The last time Bournemouth beat Spurs was in 2019 in the Prem, where Tottenham got two red cards. So um, that is possible against Spurs. They are They can, definitely can get in a bit of trouble there, but... Um, I'm agreeing with you. It says Zach, we're all going Spurs. So, all right. Um, let's get the next one on the board here. Brighton versus Chelsea. Oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to take a draw on this one. I think Brighton are are going to get back to not winning ways, but I think they're going to shore things up a little bit. A really disappointing loss against City last week, where they didn't threaten all that much. I think they're going to be better here. Chelsea are a little bit more exploitable uh, than City are. So. With the fact that Chelsea haven't been able to score all that many goals, I think this could be a 1-1 or a 2-2. I can totally see it, so I'm going to take a draw here. Yeah, Brighton have drawn five of their last six matches against Chelsea. Chelsea are undefeated in their last 11 against Brighton. So um, it's, a, it's a match Chelsea don't often lose um, in recent memory, but still they struggle with them a bit. The last time they beat them was in 2020. So it's been a long time, but Zach's going to go with your draw as well. And I think I'm going to back Chelsea here. I think 
after seeing what they did against Salzburg in the middle of the week, I think I I was positive in what I saw. Obviously, you're still seeing blips here and there, but we we have a lot of injuries in our back line, so we're not at our full potential. But I think it's just enough to maybe nick a, a one goal win. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly possible. I just I don't know. Chelsea, I think, should be better offensively than they have been. So Yeah, but I have my doubts like you guys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Palace versus Southampton. I'm going to take Palace in this one. Currently, Palace are in 13th. Southampton are in 16th. Only one point separates the team. So this is an important victory uh, for Palace if they're able to attain it. I think Southampton will probably score first. I'm hoping they do. And I think Palace will be able to rally uh, and figure things out. So I'm going to go with them. This one could burn me, but that's probably like my flyer of the week. Yeah, Zach's going with Palace as well. Um, I like Palace scoring first here. And most importantly is because they, they, give up the, they give up the lead, one of the worst teams when they have the lead. So I'm going to take Southampton here in a bit of a comeback. Okay. Um... Brentford versus Wolves. I got to go with Brentford here. Uh, Wolves not showing me anything whatsoever, so I just have to stick with Brentford. Until Wolves show me something, I'm, I'm going to keep betting against them. I'll go with the Bees. Yeah, Zach's still 0-12 with Brentford. Jesus. Um, last week was his best opportunity with Wolves. He was 10-1 and with Wolves and got that game wrong. So he's going with a draw here, so we all know that isn't happening. And uh, I have a little bit more faith in Wolves this week after what I saw from Brentford that last week. I don't think they're going to play as bad as that game, but I feel like Wolves has a bit have a bit more quality in the middle of the park than Villa do, and I think they can nick one here. Uh, hopefully another Traore goal, which would be rare in yeah. two two close games for him to score that that um, to to score in two games close like that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Wolves. So we're all split there. Okay. Uh, Fulham versus Everton. This is going to be an interesting game. Uh, Fulham, who are in great shape right now, versus Everton, who are sort of soaring a bit. They're in 12th. Uh, Fulham, we mentioned, is in 7th. This is a tough one. Uh, I really do think a draw is is probably going to be the way that it goes, so I'm going to stick with that. But this could be a thriller. It could be a really good game. I just don't think Everton have enough uh, offensively, despite that performance last week, to stay in it with a Fulham team who get goals from all over the place. Uh, so I'll go with a draw on this one. I, I like a 1-1 or a 2-2. I think teams are going to try and lock it down. Yeah, I'm thinking the exact same there. I'm taking a draw. Zach's going to go with Fulham there. He's going to ride the hot team. Um, and like I said earlier, Everton have failed to win 21 of their last 23 away matches. So... If it does happen, it's going to be historic. All right. Sorry, I was taking a sip of water. Um, Liverpool versus Leeds up next. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Liverpool in this one. Um, they're in eighth, which is crazy to think about. They're on 16 points, 12 points behind the lead. Uh, and then Leeds are in ninth, or in 18th on nine points. I just think Liverpool are a better team. Um, offensively, they've been a bit constipated as well, but... Not nearly to the extent that Leeds are. So I'll take Liverpool. I think they win this one in a 1-0 or a 2-0. Yeah, we're we're both picking Liverpool as well over here. Um, Liverpool at home are undefeated in their last 29 matches, um, including that most recent 1-0 defeat over Man City. So Liverpool are legit. They're one of the best teams at home. And it's going to be really tough for, for Leeds to get involved in this game, especially with all the potential injuries they have. Um if Tyler Adams doesn't play, they're definitely going to get exposed a bit more. Okay. Uh, Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest up next. Uh, this one's at the Emirates. I- I'm going to stick with Arsenal here. I think after a disappointing 1-1 draw against Southampton, uh, they get back on form and they get a, a-, a nice victory here. I like a 3-0, so I'm going to take Arsenal. Yeah, we're both taking Arsenal as well. These guys have only played four times um, ever in the last well, in history, the the most recent one went Nottingham Forest in favor in the FA Cup. They beat Arsenal one nil this past January, so um, they have the last laugh there. But Arsenal have won their last eight home matches, scoring at least over two and a half goals, um, and they've been winning both at halftime and full time in six of their last eight home games. So it's a tall task for Forest. I don't know if they'll be able to do back to back results against top quality teams. So it's 
it's going to be very it's going to be very scary for them coming into the Emirates here in this environment. So sure. uh, we're going Arsenal sweep. Okay, and then we have United taking on West Ham. United are the heavy favorite in this one. They're in sixth currently on decent form. 20 points for that team. West Ham in 10th on 14. They have decent form as well. Uh, this is a tough one. Don't think it's going to be a draw. I do like United to get here, uh, to get the, the three points here. I think we're going to see a Rashford uh, performance of the ages. He's been a little bit quiet, and I think that he uh, he has a good match here. So I'll take United, especially if Casemiro's in the team. Yeah, the the hot team right now over West Ham. West Ham, for their own sake, are in relatively good form. Uh, Zach's going with United as well. Obviously, they're undefeated in 13 of their last 14 at home, as well as there have been under two and a half goals scored in United's last three games. So uh, both teams have been really relatively struggling up front in recent form. Um, but I think that's going to play to a draw here. I think it's going to be like a 1-1 draw. Um, and that's what the most recent score lines at Old Trafford have been. They've been like 1-0 results or 1-1 draws. So uh, it's going to be a close game for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's close things out. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod. We are on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes and future episodes of the show um on soundcloud spotify and apple podcast once again thanks for listening make sure uh, you check everything out and uh we'll see you next week all right take care guys